So um, it's definitely fastening seatbelts time as we come into land on 1 Peter. Um, but I, I guess today, with what I'm going to share, I would say definitely fasten your seatbelts. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, first five verses. If you, if you have a Bible of whatever version, form you carry, you can look it up. But I do believe, uh, hopefully, there will be a slide with, uh, with these verses on. Today, um, I've wrestled with what to call this talk, but I've decided to call it Leaders as Shepherds, A Call to Maturity, and A Call to Fathers and Mothers. Um, I'm not going to exegete the passage and go through verse by verse. I'm going to just use one verse in this passage as a launch pad to say some things about these things. Um, as you might know, many of you know me, I, I like to talk about leadership. Uh, every one of you in this room is a leader because leadership is influence and you all have influence, so no one is excluded. Um, and you don't have to have a title to be a leader because leader is about the way you behave. So if you behave like a leader, you sound like a leader, you look like a leader, you are a leader. You don't have to have a title to be one either. So you're all leaders, whether you have a title or not. You're a leader because leadership is influence and leadership ultimately is about behavior. And I'm going to perhaps put, as I usually do, I think, put a slightly different spin on some of this. Uh, And in the process, I'm hoping to challenge the way you think. Because if we can allow scripture to change the way we think, we ourselves change. We change to the extent we change the way we think. Which is why as much as I'll touch your heart, I'm definitely going to go after your head and mess with it. A little bit, if that's okay. Don't look so worried. Somebody who knows me, smile at somebody else and say, he's okay, he's okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Right, 1 Peter 5, and I will pray after we've read the scripture just to make you feel better. Um, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 5. To the elders among you, this is Peter, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed... Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. In the same way, You who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, and all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And when it comes and it collides with our heads and our hearts, It's a beautiful opportunity for transformation, God. And I just pray that some of the things that I would say today would just cause us to think about how we do life, how we do leadership, and that, God, we would be transformed by you, not by clever words, but by you, Holy Spirit, partnering with the word of God to change us, to be more like the people you have called us to be. Amen. I've said before when I talked about Peter's leadership style that one of the things Peter exemplifies is servant leadership. There's there's thousands of books being written on servant leadership since Jesus introduced the concept 2,000 years ago. Most of them are written by business people, funnily enough. 
But Peter is an an example to us all of, of servant leadership. There are three ways in which he does that in this passage. One thing he says is, I'm a fellow elder. So in his leadership, what he's doing straight away, he's saying, I'm in there with you. I'm alongside you. I lead you as one alongside. I'm a fellow elder. He's a servant. He then encourages them not to do this thing for dishonest gain, but to lead because you first serve. Leaders are not leaders and then become servants. Servants are, leaders are servants who become leaders. Okay, so Peter's going after that servant thing. And then he says to them all to be an example. So one of the hallmarks of servant leadership is not tell, it's show. I'll show you by the way I lead and I live. So Peter's opening up to them the whole concept of servant leadership. He's, re- he's not really going after here how to do that. What he's going after is why. What's your motivation for leadership? There are many reasons to lead, not all of them good. Peter's basically saying the reason you lead is because you first have learned to serve. And then he says something kind of countercultural in some respects. He says, those of you who are younger, submit yourselves to those who are older. In the world today, there's a huge, especially in the Western world, there's a huge struggle with this concept of what do we do with those who are older than us? How do we relate to them? And he's basically saying to the younger people, have respect for them. They may hate your music. (laughs) On a Sunday morning, they may be looking for the ear defenders along with the toddlers. But love them, honor them, respect them. Okay, And then he flips it because he actually says then, do you know what, while I'm on the subject, why, don't you, why doesn't everybody, irrespective of age, gender, skin color, just learn what it is to submit to one another? That's how we do family. It's beautiful. But I want to focus in on one particular verse. And, and that verse is basically 1 Peter 5.1. When he says to the elders, be shepherds of God's flock. Shepherding flocks is not really a concept that many of us have much uh, experience of or or idea about. If he'd have used a slightly more uh, 21st century model, we probably would have been able to access it slightly better than he does. But I believe that the, the, the leader as shepherd is a beautiful metaphor for what leadership looks like in the kingdom of God and in the church, and actually in business. And I want to touch on that. Why is this subject so important to us? There are five reasons. I'll give them to you as quickly as I can. In, many, in recent years, there's been a lot of talk about churches moving from apostolically-led churches, from pastorally-led churches to apostolically-led churches, and there was this kind of, at some point, and when I hear it talked about, it's as if the apostles come along and sort of bump the, the pastors out of the way and say, Let, let's show you how this church leadership thing is done, okay? But I want to say this to you, that transitioning from pastorally led to apostolically led churches is not about apostles replacing pastors. It's about order, not replacement, okay? So for church to be led healthily, Yes, we need order, but we definitely need to maintain pastoral leadership in its right place. If you have a mission without maturity, (laughs) I think that's a responsibility. If apostles send us 
and we are not grown up, we're in trouble. Which is why we need both and, not one instead of the other. Second point is we have a huge value for the prophetic as a family. What is God saying to me? If we elevate the word above being heard, we've put coordinates before communion and we end up in shipwreck. That's a complicated sentence right there, isn't it? If you just put, I need a word, rather than I need to be heard, I need a conversation, then we put coordinates before communion. Over here is relationship, and we talk about stuff. Over here, what's God saying? Go here, do this. What's God saying? Go there, do that. Go here, do that, right? We need both and. We need word. We need the prophetic word. It shines as a lamp in the darkness. Peter said this. But outside of communion, outside of relationship, outside of being seen, known, and heard, what we've got over here is remote control. Mm, mm, mm. It's not relationship. It's both and. Apostles and pastoral leaders. Prophets, pastoral leaders. It's both and. The church, third point, the church will never become the fullness of family without fathers and mothers. I believe pastoral leadership, shepherds, actually looks like fathers and mothers. So that's one of my thesis to you, is that when he says, Peter says to the elders, shepherd the flock, put another way, what he's saying is, people, father and mother the flock. Because I believe shepherds are fathers and mothers, and fathers and mothers are shepherds. The fourth point is, Whilst in this apostolic age, we pursue miracle, sign, and wonder, and we don't apologize for that. We were not called just to go and show up. The Bible calls us to grow up. Okay. Over here is the image and likeness of Jesus being revealed through me. Over here is his power revealed through me. Maturity always says it's both and. So we pursue power over here, sign and wonder and miracle. But over here, I'm being transformed to look and sound more like Jesus. Pastoral leadership helps because it doesn't just go after my comfort. It'll go after my character Ouch. I love the fact that over here you can raise the dead. But if over here you are beating your wife, we have issues. I know I'm using really graphic language, folks, but I'm trying to help you to land this really important point. It's both and. This is why pastoral leadership matters. Every single one of us in this room was created to be seen to be heard, and to be known. And where you find that is family. But you and I do not build a relationship where we are seen, heard, and known from a platform. So pastoral leaders are not interested so much in bellowing at you as sitting down with you and having a cup of tea and asking you an open question, how are you doing? And in that context, you get to be seen, heard, and known. 
So this subject is vitally, vitally important. I guess I could say strategically to us as a community. But back to Peter, chapter 5 and verse 1. Peter is doing something else really clever here. If you remember, Peter's own personal journey with the Lord had in it an encounter with Jesus, where Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Three times he said that. Do you remember what Jesus' response to Peter was when Peter said, of course I love you? Jesus said, guess what? Feed my sheep. In this mandate, Peter is doing something really powerful. He is demonstrating what is called authentic leadership. Because in his own leadership style, mandate, model, he is scooping up his own personal journey with the Lord and saying, this is what leadership looks like based on my personal journey and story. So when he says to the elders in 1 Peter 5, shepherd the flock, he is actually repeating the mandate that he himself received from Jesus, shepherd the flock. You see, that's what you and I do when we're being authentic. We lead out of our story. We don't lead out of somebody else's story. We lead out of our own. What's my story? What's your story? And what does leadership look like when you take hold of what the Lord has done with you and you fold it into your personal journey? The interesting thing is that Paul, Peter wasn't the only apostle who used this metaphor. So in Acts 20 and verse 28, Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders and he says this, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I say this because this is really powerful, because Peter and Paul are the two main apostles in the New Testament. And both of them, their exhortation to the leaders of the churches that they looked after was this. Be shepherds of God's flock. If Peter had said it, we might have thought, oh, well, he's bound to say that, isn't he? Because that's what Jesus told him. But when Paul owns that metaphor as well, I think it's really important that we understand the importance of pastoral leadership. Are you thinking, he's banging on about this subject. The reason I'm banging on about it is because I think there's a real danger in the church that we can pendulum swing, right? We've fired all those pastoral leaders, far too nice. Now we've gone over here and we've got apostles and prophets. A bit scary, but it feels like we're, at least we feel like we're going somewhere. Right? This is what the church does all the time. Pendulum swing. And what I'm saying is, we're not, I'm not saying sack the apostles and prophets. What I'm saying is, let's just make sure we haven't thrown the pastor out with the bathwater. Right? Both and. That's maturity right there. So I did a little, um, there's a word cloud. Because I thought shepherd. Shepherd. What does shepherd mean? So I, I don't know if there's a slide. that. When I thought about shepherding, or shepherd, I just threw up a whole bunch of words onto a slide that, I felt kind of looked a bit like shepherding, or might sound a bit like shepherding, yeah? You can go into, um, I think it's John 10, there's some, there's some brilliant chapters in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, all about shepherds, and if you did want to do a bit of a study, you could look up those chapters and you could just read through them and you could find loads of words that 
express what shepherding looked like. This is by no means a comprehensive list, but from my point of view, I think it helps to reinforce the importance of shepherd as a leadership model. I think it also helps you to understand that actually fathers and mothers, when they lead, will do all of these things. Have you ever lost your child in a supermarket? Guess what you do? Go search for them very fast and hope you can find them. You are overseeing all the time, monitoring, just making sure they're okay. You look out for, you feed them until they're old enough to feed themselves. You guard them, you're very protective about them. So I guess in putting this slide up, I'm trying to say shepherds can look like fathers and mothers, and fathers and mothers can look like shepherds. Now, I've got some sticks of dynamite metaphorically here, so I'm just going to blow some things up. Brace yourselves, everybody. The problem with this pastoral paradigm, as it used to be, was that, unfortunately, it looked like this. It looked like one man, or one man and his wife, or one man and his wife and his kids, and maybe they had a hamster or a dog. And they led the church. And in their minds, they had to try and be everything to everyone. They had to do everything. They had to look after everybody and clear up after everybody. I think earlier on, Eve said, you know, who'd want to be a church leader? I've spent my life thinking, if that's church leadership, count me out. My job is challenging. But trying to be everything to everyone, to look after everybody and clean up after everybody and to do everything for everyone, sounds like an early grave. Sadly, there is a lot of truth in that statement. Churches, historically, have been led by people in pastoral roles who have thought that's what it's supposed to be like. And as sadly... A bunch of people who kind of thought, that's how it's supposed to be like. Your job is to look after me. Your job is to clean up after me. Your job is to do everything for me. And I don't know what the statistics are, but I imagine there are a lot of church leaders who have suffered breakdowns as a result of that model. So it had to go, folks. It had to go. Part of else, it's not God, right? But when you're doing that to your leaders, that is not healthy and is not right. There's a few things wrong with it, really. Firstly... That model keeps everybody immature. Nobody grows up in an environment like that. Parents, how many of you have parented your kids like that? You're thinking, not a chance. As soon as they were two and a half, they were doing the washing up. What do you mean you can't reach? Here's a stepladder. It's obvious to us as parents that the goal of that journey is maturity. Not only is this, this model immature, it's irresponsible. Because these folks who are being led in that way never, ever learn to take responsibility. What do you do as a parent? Encourage your kids from as early an age as possible. Be responsible. Take responsibility. When something goes right, hurrah. When something goes wrong, that's your mess. I'll help you, but I'm not doing it for you. The consequence of that model is the church doesn't grow when the leaders die an early death. That is what happens, right? 
So it's no wonder in the economy of God that the apostles and prophets came along and said, this has got to change. Okay. But as I said to you, this pendulum swing could result in us, right, those tired people who are actually only 30 but look about 60, we need to put them out to grass because we don't need them anymore, right? And we're going to go over here and we're just going to apostle and prophet. Some of those folks didn't need a rest. Some of them needed some time out to recover. But what was on their life in terms of gift and anointing, we still definitely, definitely need over here. Otherwise, we get sent. We get to go, but we don't grow. Or we're over here like remote-controlled robots where it's, what's the next word, what's the next word? Because we have no capacity to make decisions for ourselves. It's both and. The great news is, you don't have to take my word for this, so Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13, and I think there's a slide for these, help us to understand that there's a different paradigm. It's a biblical paradigm. And Paul expresses it in Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13 like this. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Colossians 1.28, Paul says this, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. What do you see in these verses? Well, you see a number of things. Firstly, you see leaders in team. There's teamwork in these verses. There's no one ministry griff trumping the other. Not everybody looks and sounds the same. In these verses, Paul talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So, Not only is there leadership in team, but there's diversity in gift and anointing. So this model over here was flawed. There was no teamwork, and there was only one gift showing up. Over here, done biblically, we get teamwork, and we get diversity. And what's going on? What's the the process that's taking place here? What are all these ministry gifts doing? Well, I think they're doing at least three things, and they all begin with E because it just helps me remember them. Equip, empower, and encourage. The the Greek word translated equip in Ephesians 4 was used by the Greeks when they were fitting out a ship. So when they were building a ship and they were going to send it on a voyage, they would equip it. So ministry gifts are first and foremost given to equip us to go somewhere and to do something. So there is equipping, empowering, and encouraging. And the goal has three M's because it just makes it easy for me to remember, is mission, maturity, and measure. There's something for us to do. Works of service. Oh, work. I mentioned that word. Here come the ministries. Guess what? Not only are they not going to do it all, they're going to ask us to do something. Run away work. Here we come. The goal for church leadership is to get us all doing something. Hmm. We don't put that in the join of the church class, do we? Or do we? Um, There's something for us to do. The second thing is maturity. These leaders are going to expect us to grow up. 
I wanted to be Peter Pan and stay a child forever. Unfortunately, churches are full of people like Peter Pan who want to stay a child forever. Unfortunately, that's not Bible. The Bible mandate is grow up. Now I'm going to really start off. If I offend you, I do apologize. The apostolic mandate of the New Testament is in two words summed up as grow up. Grow up. Who of you as parents ever had a baby expecting that you would spend the rest of your life feeding it, changing its nappies, wrestling over what time bedtime looks like? None of you. Now, I know there is illness, physical and mental, that can disrupt that process. But when you have children, your eye is on the goal. When will these little people be able to take care of themselves? And how do I accelerate that process as fast as I possibly can? That's how church leaders are meant to think. They're not meant to be, they're not meant to sit there thinking, right, if I can't make these people healthy, I need at least to make them happy. Run away from that job description. I don't know if I'm rustling, if I'm kind of making everybody feel uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm just trying to help us understand the Bible mandate for us is to grow up. And leaders, in all of the variety of ministry and gift that they have, show up to help us grow up. So that we can fulfill the mission that God has called us to. That we are mature in the process. So not only we are not dangerous to ourselves, but we're not dangerous to anybody else. And then thirdly, there's measure. Measure is in doing it that we look and sound like the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So there's something about the way that we're showing up that is just radiating Jesus to the world. Not just greater works, but image and likeness. So I don't just perform like him, but I actually look and sound like him. That's what church leadership is about. I'll save the last point for the end. I put another slide up, which is this one, which is just a a picture of what I've just been talking about. But if you go back to that one with the arrows on it, thanks. You see, what I've sought to do here is to say, whatever labels you give your leaders as a church, when Peter says shepherd the flock, I think what he's saying is church leaders, whatever your label father and mother the community that you lead and through your gift mix and your anointing that will look and sound different for every one of you but I believe all leaders at some level are fathers and mothers and definitely all fathers and mothers are leaders and so I believe that when church is done well you have leaders and they might have titles because you've got to call them something or you is not very polite is it going to call them something, whatever you call them. They are working closely with a leadership network across the church family called Fathers and Mothers. And collectively, what we are doing is shepherding the flock. Now, I should have said this at the beginning, and I have said it before, but I will say it now. You don't have to be married to be a father and a mother in the family of God. And you don't have to have kids to be a father and mother either. 
So I'm not talking to the marrieds or the ones with kids. I'm talking to every one of you. The definition of a father of mother, right? Just give you my simple definition. Somebody who has grown up enough not only to look after themselves, but able to look after somebody else. Who's in? <laughs> Do you see my point? Father and a mother in is about I've grown past myself. I now have capacity and capability not only to take care of myself, but I can help you. That makes you a father and a mother. If the goal of church leaders is maturity and the goal of fathers and mothers is maturity, then we share the same goal. And the goal of church leaders and fathers and mothers is not to raise children. No, gosh. Sorry, this is painful. I know I'm messing with your head now, right? The goal of fathers and mothers and church leaders is to raise fathers and mothers. You see the difference? I, I didn't raise children. Well, in my case, I raised mothers because I had three daughters. <laughs> Our goal is to raise up fathers and mothers. And what that means is we might start with children... But our goal is to grow them to a point where they are now have more capacity and capability not only to look after themselves, but to look after someone else. Until we grow past the point of being able to look after ourselves, we are our own flock. Sorry, right now, I haven't got any capacity or capability to look after you because I'm too busy working out how to put my clothes in the ironing basket or remembering to clean my teeth or whatever metaphor you want to use, okay? Once I've grown up past that point, I can now help you. You really need to put your dirty clothes in that ironing basket, you know. Your wife would love it. If I've touched a nerve, I do apologize. But you get my point, don't you, right? The goal of church leaders and fathers as mothers as shepherds is this. Create an environment that's conducive to growth and then call out maturity I think that's about it in a nutshell. That's what parents do. We create a microclimate in which growth is possible. And then we call it out in whatever way that looks like. Let me give you two real practical examples and then I'm done. Because this is all very good, but what on earth does this look like in practice? And I, I think maybe right now, some of you are thinking, oh, I don't feel very loved by this talk. I'm trying to address a balance even in saying that, okay? Because love looks like something. And sometimes it sounds like, would you just grow up? Oh. Over here, I will sit in the dust and the dark with you, right? And I'll sit in your mess. And I'll, I'll join you in that process because I can't help you until I'm alongside you. Peter said I'm a fellow elder, right? So I'll jump into your mess with you. But I don't expect to stay there. It's not my address and it shouldn't be yours either. So the moment I've jumped into your mess, I'm plugging in the coordinates. And the coordinates look like somewhere else. So let's go. Well, I don't want to go. Grow up. It's not, it's, it's so, I'm not going to ask if this is okay because you might say no. Um, 
But let me, just, let me just ground this in reality for you, two practical ways in which this really helps us as a church community to scale. If, if this is important, this talk, for any other reason, it's for this, because without this, churches don't grow. They get limited by the number of people that the guy and the girl leading the church can connect to and can cope with. And once that limit is reached, we don't grow anymore. This, what we're talking about today, is so important because it's a strategic reason for us to grow. And that's this. If we could create a family and a community which is saturated with mothers and fathers, then guess how many more people we can help? The lonely and the lost and the broken that are waiting to find us. You see, at the end of the day, this is not about you, and it's not about me. That's maturity right there. As a parent, when you see that in your child, you dance. (laughs) They've worked out. Life is not about them. Yes! I saw that in my kids, and I cried because I thought, my job is done. I have launched three powerful women into the world who know it's not about them. And it looks differently for all of them. But that's a beautiful moment. This is vitally important because it's helped us scale. So two practical ways. Someone in this church community, this is hypothetical now, right? You see somebody in this church community doing something they shouldn't. It might be damaging them. It might be damaging the person around them. In a pastoral paradigm, you dial 911, a.k.a. Phil and Sarah's mobile. And you go, Phil, Sarah, you never guess what they're doing. You need to sort it out. Phil and Sarah look through their diary and they're free in about six months. By which time this person has probably done something really terrible to themselves or to somebody else. I'm exaggerating for the sake of effect. Right? In the kind of pastoral paradigm that I'm talking about, where all of the leaders get to show up in the gift mix, and we have fathers and mothers all over the community, this person, you see them and you think, excuse me, can we have a chat? I'd love to go take you for a coffee. I just want to say, when you do that, it's not good, and it's not great, and here's why. I'd love to help you with that. I'd love to help you with that. My metaphor for that is, your breath smells, here's a mint. Now you're going, ooh, no, no, everybody's going to start talking to me about that. If we cannot grow up to a point where this is possible, we will never grow. We will never grow to be the community that we need to be. I'm not giving you license to go around and tell everybody we think about them, by the way. You could try it, and then you get some feedback, and the community would sort you out. Oi, you, stop going around telling us what you all think about us. We're not interested, right? But this is when feedback gets loosed in a really powerful way. The dog whisperer, I don't know if you've ever seen the dog whisperer, but I love the dog whisperer. He sees this dog, and this dog has had a really terrible life. And he thinks, you know what I'm going to do with this terrible dog? You know what he does with it? He drops it into the pack. There's a healthy pack here. I'm going to take this dog, drop it in. Why? Because he read Psalm 68, which he says, God sets the lonely in families. 
drop the, drop the unruly dog into the pack and let the pack sort it out. Not the leader, the pack. He wraps family around this dysfunctional dog and it brings healing and wholeness because when this dog shows up in an inappropriate way, guess what? The pack give him feedback. They don't call, they don't call Caesar Milan and say, Oi, mush, you've put this unruly dog in the pack, sort it out. Caesar Milan's over here writing books and making millions. He says, no, I'm going to let the pack sort this out. There are so many broken, unhealthy, unhappy people in the world who need family. I was one. And guess what they're going to need? Feedback. This is great. When you do this, this is brilliant. This is how it's meant to be. When you do that, not so good. Second scenario is this. People come into this church community and because they were born to be seen and heard, they go, see me. I'm here. See me. Phil. Phil, 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 Phil. Try Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, I'm here. See me. Hear me. Sarah, oh, oh, and then we have a we have a we have a busload of very disappointed people who came here to be seen and heard by Phil and Sarah, and got really disappointed because Phil and Sarah were kind of busy. Just imagine how powerful a paradigm would be, where folks who were born to be seen and heard stepped into our community and they couldn't get anywhere near Phil and Sarah because there were a bunch of mothers and fathers between them and Phil and Sarah going, I see you. I hear you. Tell me what's on your life. Right, catapult. Boom. Let me help you with that. You've all gone really quiet. I don't know if that's a good thing or nothing, right? This is how church scales. Because it, it, it has a healthy appreciation of what leadership is there to do and not to do. And then it's filled with family of mothers and fathers who are saying, I'm a leader because I have influence and I know how to behave as a leader. And one of the ways is I can give feedback when it's required, saying good, not so good. But I also can take, take somebody who comes into this church with something on their life and say, I see you. I'm part of this family and I see you. I do not want a section marked out in this, in this, when we have a big, that says disappointed, disappointed of Oldham, disappointed of Rotherham, disappointed of Chalton, because they came here to be seen and heard by Phil and Sarah, when in reality, we could and should have stepped up into our God-given mandate as mothers and fathers to see them and hear them and catapult them into their destiny. I started by saying this was a call to maturity and a calls, call to mothers and fathers. And I, I guess as I come into land, I feel like I've hit that goal. And I, I guess I did say it would be, it would be challenging. But the last slide is just a few words. <laughs> I tried to write down as best I could what, what, what I was trying to say here. 
And I guess what I'm trying to say here is that in my heart, that we as a church family would have a culture marked by our identity as a family of loved sons and daughters with leaders, with mothers and fathers that shepherd us and care for us really well, that call out maturity from us so that we learn what it is to love one another well, but as importantly to be able to learn the one in, to love the one in front of us who hasn't even showed up yet. And if that's possible, yes, we will have got leadership kind of right, as right as we can ever get it, because it's a journey. We'll have mothers and fathers saturate in this community, whether you're married or not, children or not, who have grown past the point of looking after themselves and now have capacity and capability to look after each other and other people around them. Sufficient to be able to give feedback and sufficient to be able to say to the one who comes amongst us, I see you, I hear you, I want you to know me and I want me to know you. And that's the way family grows. And I believe that pastoral leadership is at the heart of that in bucket loads. And that's where I want to leave it today. Thank you very much for listening. Let me just pray for us all. (laughs) I think it'd be great if, if you feel challenged by what I've said, but you, you understand that there's a, there's a call to something here. Maybe it's a call to maturity. Maybe it's a call to show up as a mother and father in this community. If that is you, I'd love you to stand. And if you can't stand, that's fine. If you don't want to stand, that's also fine too. I'm not doing this to make myself feel better. Because this requires intentionality. This requires you saying, as challenged as I feel, I know there's something for me to step into in terms of maturity because I realize it's not all about me. And I also understand there's something for me to step into which says, I know how to look after myself. I want to be able to look after someone else really well. Okay, thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for his letter. Thank you for his call and commission to lead us to shepherd your flock. Father, I pray that you would give us all a unique understanding of what that means for us. But I pray particularly for the people who are standing because they are intentionally leaning into something. They're making a choice that says, I understand it's not all about me. And I want to grow past that point of where it is all about me to be able to love the one in front of me really well. And they're saying, I want to be a father and a mother in this community that calls out maturity, that says to the one who comes amongst us, I see you and I hear you. And so, Father, I just pray for a father's blessing on them. 
the blessing of the Father, of affirmation, of confirmation that says this is who you are. This is who you are. And Holy Spirit, I pray for a fresh anointing on everyone standing that says you can step into and be empowered to be a father and a mother in this community with fresh vision, fresh energy, fresh insight, fresh mandate on you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I bless your hearts for your journey in this community as mums and dads, as leaders who have influence. And I pray for every single one of us, God, that we would hear through all the words that are said today the heart of a father that says, we were born to go, but we were born to grow. And help every single one of us, God, with our own journey of maturity and growth, because none of us have arrived. None of us have arrived. Help us to go and help us to grow, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.